Well, this summer, I, I learned a lot. It was quite the ride. I, I felt like I experienced every emotion in the book. I'd like to tell you it was just all rainbows and pixies, but it really uh, had some ups and downs. No one wants to tell you that, especially the guy who's had 10 weeks off to tell you that it was hard. And you're like, yeah, that, sure, buddy. I bet it was hard. <clears throat> but I learned a lot, and I, I want to spend the next four weeks sharing some of what I learned as the Lord spoke to me on these different areas, there's one theme that emerged during the sabbatical. And, and that's uh, this. And I, I, I hope you can hear what I'm saying today. That for me, Daniel Allen Bursch, that my God, my creator wants me to be free. He wants me to be free. That's his heart. That's his passion. It's in his DNA. That's who he is. He wants me to be free. He wants you to be free. We even see it in Galatians. He says the freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then again, you look in the world, and so many things in this world trying to steal your freedom, right? Social media, you know, just things that are trying to chain us, shackle us, trying to tether us, trying to cage us, restrict us. There's so many things, and, and, and you could even say, you know, the, the demonic attacks that come from the outside uh, towards us. A legalistic religion uh, totally can try to get us uh, in that place uh, of not being free. Temptations, you ever been tempted before? Oh, man, how did that become part of the package? Not fun. But just the things of this world, they, they come at you and, and try to steal away your freedom. But I think the greatest threat, no one likes to hear this, the greatest threat to our freedom often comes from within, doesn't it? From within, right? Our flesh, those, those places within us that I would say are kind of still kicking and screaming and throwing a tantrum, right? Fighting against that freedom that Christ brings. And so the next month I'm going to talk about some of these areas, because I have a passion. I think more importantly, Christ has a passion for us to be free. You know what's cool about Christ having a passion for you to be free? Is that he actually has the power to do it. Isn't that good? He's just not good intentions. He just doesn't have a positive attitude. He actually has the power to set us free. Praise the Lord. And so I've entitled this series, Free to Fly. I truly believe this. Our Father in Heaven wants to set us free. So over those ten weeks, I had the privilege of visiting eight national parks, um, we actually envisioned seeing nine parks, but we couldn't even make it to Mount Rainier. How sad is that? I mean, eight all over the country <laughs> never made it to Rainier. But many of these parks included these lookouts, right? These vistas, you'd stand on the edge of a cliff, you'd just look out miles and miles, it felt like. But then, of course, the granddaddy of them all, right, of Grand Vistas is what national park? Grand, right, Grand Canyon, or if I ever could make it to the one up in Alaska, that one sounds pretty amazing as well. But the, the Grand Canyon, and if you're at the Grand Canyon or any of those other parks, and you're looking out over that vista, almost always you could find, and it would be one or, or maybe a couple of them, just these birds that are out there, and they look like they're having a blast. You know what I'm talking about? They're just kind of going over the ravine, they're going over the canyon, and they're soaring on the, right in the thermals, they're going up, they're, they're falling down. The most famous bird to do that is the California condor. I have a video of that bird. I, unfortunately, this isn't a video that I took. But the California condor, kind of, you know, the head is a little intimidating to me. Have you seen the, a little intimidating. But I, I, I saw so many of these birds at these national parks. And the Lord spoke to me, Dan, that's who you are in me. You are free to soar. And, of course, me, I'm an emotional guy. I started crying. You know, just, oh, Jesus. But unfortunately, as much as maybe that's what Christ uh, has us to be, uh, many times it looks a little bit more like this. 
and oh, I almost got out of the box. Oh, I'm almost free. I'm like so close to being free. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, man. So why is that, right? Why is that? Why, why can we think, uh, you know, see the California condor soaring over the canyon, yet how many times do I feel like I'm stuck in some dumb cardboard box? Why is that? Well, the Lord began to give me these pictures, the pictures of things that are, are keeping myself, and I would say many of us in this room, keeping us tethered, chained, stuck in the cardboard box. So today I might be talking about the most important one of them all. Uh, you might regret coming to church today after I begin going here. Because it's on the area of unforgiveness. I won't be offended if you leave. I, I get it. <laughs> forgiveness and unforgiveness. Because we all struggle with it, don't we? At some level. There's multiple levels of forgiveness. Maybe you struggle with forgiving others. Uh, maybe you struggle receiving the forgiveness from others. Have you ever struggled with receiving and accepting the forgiveness that the Lord has given to you? Right? We just struggle. And many of us, it's this issue of unforgiveness. And we struggle because probably you've been harmed in some way. Probably you've been hurt in some way. And we don't know how to move forward in forgiveness. So this unforgiveness, I think most of us would agree when you're in that place, it's a miserable place to be. Right? Anybody agree with that? Because unforgiveness, at least in my life, this is how I'll describe it, how I think about it. It's like a wall. It's a wall that you run up to again and again and again. And so I, as Daniel Allen Burge, can even be in a really good season, like a healthy season, like a sabbatical happy season, and all of a sudden you're reminded of that bad situation or you're reminded of that awkward conversation. And all of a sudden everything changes, doesn't it? Have you been there? You could be walking in a national park. Everything changes. And you begin to think how, how you're offended, how you're hurt. And all of a sudden, your blood pressure rises. Your anxiety rises. Those negative feelings, those negative attitudes, all those emotions, they just begin to flood in to the deepest place of who you are. And you know that you're struggling with unforgiveness. You're holding on to that offense. And you haven't forgiven that person. And so that's what I ran into this summer in my life. Areas where I was struggling to forgive. Now thank you, Jesus, that Jesus wants to set me free. And he wants to set you free. And he's not silent in this area of unforgiveness and forgiveness. So we're going to go to the Word. Go ahead and open it up to Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22. And would you bow your heads and pray. Lord, I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Jesus, for your Word. Your Word that speaks with power and authority, would you speak to the depths of our hearts that we could leave here untethered, set free, to truly soar with you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so Peter comes to Jesus. He says, Lord, you've heard this before, church. He says, how many times shall, or Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Right, how many times should I forgive him? Up to seven times. And Jesus says to Peter, oh, Peter, <laughs> I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. I had the privilege of meeting with Ben Dixon this week. Anybody know who Ben Dixon is? The new senior pastor over at Northwest Church. Just an awesome guy. So thankful for him. Perfect person for the job. But in one of the messages I, that I heard him talk, he, he actually preached on this passage. And I love what he said. He said <clears throat> this whole idea of Peter asking if he should forgive his brother seven times, that this was Peter actually thinking he was pretty awesome. Because uh, as Ben explained, that the rabbinical rule back then was that you could forgive up to three times 
And, and you're feeling pretty good up to three times, but the fourth time, you didn't have to forgive. So by throwing out the number seven, you know, at this point, Peter's feeling awfully good about himself. But Jesus comes in, and Peter, you know, good try, but Jesus just blows it out of the water, doesn't he? He says, no, Peter, it's 70 times seven. And by the way, that's not Jesus saying that you have to forgive someone 490 times. You don't have to carry around the chalkboard with the tally. But as Ben said in his message, Jesus is showing that, the, and this is so important, that the, one of the main characteristics of his kingdom that he is bringing to earth is not the number of times we forgive, but that the nature of his kingdom is forgiveness. The nature of his kingdom is forgiveness. So it's not three times, it's not seven times, it's not 490 times, it's whatever it takes. And in fact, again, he's just taking their rules, whatever they thought about forgiveness, blowing it out of the water. He says, my kingdom is a kingdom of forgiveness. Forgiveness, we, we all know this, it means to cancel a debt. And, but to cancel that debt, it, this is important, and I think we kind of understand this as Christians, but to cancel a debt, it doesn't just go away. Somebody had to pay for that debt. Right? You think about Easter. You hear me say this almost every Easter. We'll talk about Jesus' words on the cross. And, and I'll say, he said, it is finished. Right? And we say, and the Greek word for it is finished is tetelestai. And tetelestai, which means paid in full. Paid in full. The forgiveness of our debts, it happened through a payment. The payment of Jesus' death on the cross. So when there's a debt, church, when you cancel the debt, Somebody has to pay for it. Remember that. Somebody has to pay for that. Because I think maybe that's why it's so hard for us to forgive other people. Because doesn't it feel costly? Right? Doesn't it feel like there's a bit of a cost to forgiving others? Because it's not fair. Right? You, you don't feel that sense of justice. I'd even say this. Forgiving another person fits to cancel a debt. And not make them pay for it? I'll tell you right now, in my flesh, on my own, that's not happening. Because in my flesh, I want you to pay. You ever been there before, church? I want you to pay. And you start bringing up what other people have done to you. You, you, you bring it up to even other people. You just want them to pay, somehow to pay for it. And, and, and I, I know that in my own life, even when someone walks into the room and all of a sudden I start acting different, I start speaking different. Why? Because I want them to pay. And I know there's areas where I've been deeply hurt. I know there's areas for you as well. And unfortunately, I could also say that, you know, with my mouth, I say, oh yeah, of course I've forgiven that person. You ever done that before? Oh yeah, I've forgiven them. And yet the way you act around them, the way you feel around them, you know it's just not true. But then how do we get to a place where we truly forgive someone else because I think Jesus wants us to get there. Because he really loves us. And he wants us to be set free. Again, this series is so much about my own personal journey. If you think I'm talking about you, just so you know, I'm, I'm preaching to myself on this one. This is about my summer. This is how I felt. And it, where I just felt stuck in so many of these places. And it was, again, a place of pain, a place of hurt. But the Lord in his goodness, he began to walk me step by step through a process of learning how to forgive. There's a great passage in the Bible that challenged me. I'm not so sure I was happy when I first read it, but it began to get me thinking and, and thinking about my own life. And it really helped me get into these next steps on the road of forgiveness. Because again, unforgiveness, and this is just the way I, I've been kind of thinking about it in my own mind, is it can just be that wall. 
And again, I don't know if you're able to relate to that, but some of you are probably like, I know exactly what you mean, Dan. When everything else is going right in my life, it is a wall, it is a roadblock, it is a chain that is keeping me uh, not being able to be set free. So when you're stuck, if you want to get past it, this passage I think is a good one to go to. It's going to put a couple little cracks in the unforgiveness you've been carrying. It's going to be in uh, the book of Matthew again, but we're going to go back 12 chapters, chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the famous sermon where Jesus lays out what his kingdom is going to look like, what the kingdom he's bringing looks like. And, and again, I said earlier that when Jesus was talking to Peter about, you know, how many times do I need to forgive someone? He was telling him again, forgiveness is not a number. It's a defining characteristic of his kingdom. People in God's kingdom forgive. And so this Sermon on the Mount, again, he is explaining in detail the characteristics of his kingdom and, by the way, uh, what and who the people of his kingdom look like. Jesus says this, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, guess what? Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, guess what? Your Father will not forgive your sins. And I just wrestled with that. You ever wrestled with the Bible before? Just, just wrestling with that. Because you know what that showed me? It showed me that I cannot sidestep the issue of forgiveness. Again, you ever try to do this thing, the whole Christian walk, without forgiving another person? And yet it's showing me it, it's a vital part of the deal. You cannot avoid forgiveness. Forgiven people, you might want to write this down, forgiven people forgive. Forgiven people forgive. Now, I'm composed up here on stage. I'm feeling pretty good today. But you can imagine, again, you guys know me, how messy all of this was as I worked this out with the Lord. A lot of tears. But, you know, I love being a Pentecostal because the Lord was speaking to me. He was speaking to me by His Word. But He was also, even in this time, in this time, it was, again, kind of messy, but He was speaking to me by His Spirit, praise the Lord. And the Lord began to show me in my mind's eyes, as I'm wrestling through this passage, He's beginning to show me all of the areas where He has forgiven me. You ever had that happen to you before? It's like a slideshow of sin. Isn't that a fun montage, right? All the ways that you've blown it. And it, it but really with that, you know, in, again, in my mind's eye, he's just showing me the magnitude of his forgiveness in my life. Have you ever experienced sorrow before the Lord? In his presence. Have you ever experienced, I know we're always wanting to be happy, but have you ever experienced a deep sorrow as you spend time with the Lord? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Remember that? And by the third time, Peter, it's, the Bible says he's grieved. He says, Jesus, you know all things. You know I love you. And I had this moment with the Lord and he, he shows me just how much he's forgiven me of over and over and over and over again. Just these glimpses of this beautiful and powerful grace in my life. Unmerited favor. Nothing I had earned. Nothing I deserved. And yet the grace of God in my life. Gift upon gift upon gift upon gift. From heaven above. Where in my rebellion. In my mess. He did not give up on me. He did not abandon me. He didn't give me what I deserve. But instead. He gave me forgiveness. He gave me the precious powerful gift of grace. Just heavy, right? Heavy, just, just before the Lord. 
thinking about His grace in my life. You know, the Bible Project, which we do a lot of their videos and whatnot here, they have an amazing podcast. A new one comes out every Monday. It's kind of uh, Bible nerdy-ish, and which really gets me going. So I, I love this, this podcast. But they were talking a couple, uh, right during this time when I'm really just uh, having the Lord speak to me and, and talk about how much he's forgiven me of, but also wrestling through unforgiveness. Um, they had this great little part in one of their podcasts where they're talking about grace. And, and they mentioned that the word for grace is the noun Keros or keros, and, and you've heard that before, right? The noun for grace, keros. And, and keros is a gift. It means gift. Here is a gift. Here is grace. And yet they said the verb for, for that word, it means to give a gift, right? So if grace is a gift, here they say the verb is to give a gift. But then that word translated to give a gift, do you know what that is translated as? To give a gift is to forgive is to forgive. So to forgive is to give a gift. Again, can you imagine? The tears began to flow. So when you forgive someone, when they have wronged you, to cancel that debt, it's to give them a gift. Give them the gift of grace and forgiveness. And they go on to say, and it's just blowing my mind, they said even the concept of forgiveness is really the idea of generosity. Being generous. Gift giving, right? That when we are forgiving each other, what are we being? We are being generous towards one another. We are living in that spirit of generosity with each other, giving each other gifts, giving each other grace. And so all this put together, I mean, can you imagine the Holy Spirit, the Bible project, the Word of God, it just broke me down, church. The weight of God's generosity in my life. The magnitude of forgiveness in my life. I had a lot of meetings this week. It was a full week. One of those meetings was with Pastor J- uh, Wayne and Jeremy and Jesse. And, and I told them, I said, guys, you just got to hear this, that much of the summer I spent broken. And they were like, what, what do you mean? I was like, I'll talk about it on Sunday. But it broke me down, church, in the most beautiful way that God has been very generous to me. I am a byproduct of his generosity. I am a byproduct of His grace, of Him giving me so many gifts that I did not deserve. He's forgiven me when I did not deserve forgiveness. And I think it's been in that place of humility and brokenness where something has begun to happen in me and stir within me. Because all of a sudden, and many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there before. It's in that place that you begin to have these questions. Is How could I not pass that on to others? Right? How could I receive such a grace gift and not pass it on to those around me? And yet the Lord has shown me that in many ways that is exactly where I was and where many of us probably still are today. And we have to be willing to call it for what it is. That unwillingness to be generous with that gift, with that grace, with that forgiveness, that is not of God. And it's not of His kingdom. And it's not about the people of his kingdom. That unforgiveness that we have been carrying, that is not the kingdom of God. When we are unforgiving, when we are not passing on that gift of grace that we have received, we are not acting as Christ followers. People who follow Jesus forgive. People who follow Jesus forgive. People who follow Jesus forgive as we have been 
forgiven. I mean, it's in the Lord's Prayer, right? Many of us pray this every day. As He taught us to pray. What? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us. Father in heaven, forgive us. We cry out to the Lord. Forgive us. Cancel the debt that is against me as I cancel the debt that I've been holding over another. Church, that we would release people from having to pay. Jesus goes on to talk to the guys in Matthew 18. After Peter has this little discussion about how many times he should forgive, Jesus teaches them with a parable. And don't you love the parables of Jesus? He says in verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owned him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Again, there's a cost to your debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Oh, be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. Servant's master took pity on him. He, what did he do? He canceled the debt and he let him go. Be free. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owned him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees, begged him, be patient with me. I, I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off. He had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debts. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. They went and told the master everything that had happened. And the master calls the servant in. He says, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to do it. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. And Jesus says, friends, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Again, this is, this is his kingdom, church. This is the kingdom that Jesus has brought. The characteristic of his kingdom, forgiveness, forgiving one another. Now that story is pretty good. I don't have time to go into all of it, but he's just letting us know. Jesus, in his kingdom, forgiving people, forgive. It's a kingdom of forgiveness. If you live in his kingdom, guess what? You're going to forgive people. Because, again, I just want, I don't want to even make this too hyper, like, woo. Like, this is just normal. This is who we are in the kingdom of God. We have been forgiven of so very much. Forgiven people, forgive. Church, I, you know, as someone who's been walking through this, uh, I'll also say this. There's great pain in this. I'm not going to say there isn't. And it's not easy. Some of the worship songs make it sound like it's easy. It's not. Right? There's a cost to forgiveness. Because, again, what they did was wrong. And that hurt you feel. That betrayal you feel. It is real. But you cannot let what someone else has done to take away your life. They can't, you cannot let what someone else has done to you take away your freedom. Because you have life in Christ. You have freedom in Christ. It is not theirs to take away, and yet we have allowed unforgiveness to take away so much of our life and so much of our freedom. And so if you're feeling stuck, like unforgiveness has you chained, has you tethered, trapped in the cage, I just want to say this, and I hope you can hear me. The only way I know how to walk forward in forgiving others is for me to be laser-focused, consumed, addicted on the grace of God, the forgiveness that Jesus has shown to me. Because again, like it, 
<laughs> some of you can relate, and you don't need to show hands on this, but if I begin to focus on that other person and what they did or what they said, all of a sudden, feel the flesh rising up again and again, right? The heartbeat gets going, the blood pressure gets going, the anxiety gets going, the stress gets going. But I'm learning, and I'm not there yet, but I'm learning how to keep my eyes on Jesus and allow myself to be broken in a sweet place of brokenness under the enormous weight of His grace. And from that place of grace of receiving that undeserved favor in my life, a gift, I have begun to learn, just begun to learn how to begin to walk out true forgiveness towards others. I am learning how to offer that gift that I have received received to others now how that looks in your world right and how that looks in some of your situations some of the things you're facing i'm just they're terrible i get that and i don't know it's, it's going to look different in each situation but for some of you in some of those situations you can begin to take those steps of forgiving them today i, I just believe that that's what i was praying that all of us at some level we'd be able to begin that step that first step of forgiving others now, when I talk about forgiveness, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to reconcile with them. I want to say that again. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to reconcile with them. And yet, I'm a pastor, right? I, I believe in reconciliation. I believe in the ministry of reconciliation. But we, we also know that's not always possible. So, some of those relationships, just to give you a couple examples, where that offenses happen, they're just unhealthy relationships, right? They're, they're maybe abusive relationships. They could physically be dangerous relationships, and it wouldn't serve you any purpose for you to re-engage with that person. Uh, and, and I get that. Just some of the people who have, have done those types of things with you, you would never want to try to reconcile with that person. Or, or sometimes the people that have hurt you, they've died. That's very common. As a pastor, I, I hear that often, that some of the worst things that have happened and some of the greatest places where we're struggling with unforgiveness is with someone who no longer is here. And so that reconciliation isn't possible. But I'd say this, even when reconciliation isn't possible, forgiveness always is. And I get it. That's a, that's a bold statement. So I'll say it again. Because I believe it's just a characteristic of his kingdom. Even when reconciliation isn't possible. Forgiveness is. Even if you never see the person again in your heart, you can begin to take those steps of forgiving them. Why? So that you can be set free. Here's another huge issue, and I'll, I'll close with this one. Is this, and I've thought a lot about this one this summer. Is that often the people that I need to forgive don't think they need to be forgiven. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Often the person that I need to forgive doesn't think that they need to be forgiven. For instance, if you slap me in the face, Jeremy, don't do it. No. <laughs> but afterward you said, you know, Pastor Dan, please forgive me. That'd be great if I forgave you. But often the person who slaps you in the face, think about this, church, often that person, they don't think they've done anything wrong. And so they don't ask for forgiveness. And that's when forgiveness can be so very hard. Because now you have to give them the gift of grace. The gift, the precious gift of grace to someone who doesn't even think that they need it. On our own, again, this is impossible but thankfully, we're not on our own, are we, church? We have the resurrection power of the one who rose from the dead flowing through our veins. And by God and by his grace in our lives, he is able to give us the power to forgive 
even those who aren't asking for forgiveness. And praise the Lord, we actually see this modeled in Scripture, don't we? Some of you are even thinking of the passages I'm about to read. As Jesus was being crucified, do you remember this? The most horrific way, in, uh, right before he dies, do you remember what he says? Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That would be one thing for Jesus, the Son of God, to ask the Father to forgive his murderers who are killing him in a violent and brutal way and saying, you know, God, be gracious towards them. But then we see that same plea, don't we, a little bit later. That same plea for grace given by one of Jesus' disciples, one of his followers, one of the early leaders of the church. Remember the man named Stephen? You guys remember Stephen? Book of Acts? Do you remember? He's being violently killed. Stoned to death. He's being crushed. His body is breaking. Rocks are being thrown at this man. And as he falls to his knees, what does he say? He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Church, that's grace. The gift of grace to those who weren't even asking for it. And again, man, it's confusing. It kind of messes me up a little bit. I I don't even, you know, just I wrestle with those scriptures. But more than anything, I just think, God... I could never do that on my own. Anyone agree with that one? What Stephen did, that just knowing who I am as a man, I could never do that on my own. But by the power of the Holy Spirit living within him, he could do it. You know why? Because Stephen was a follower of Jesus. Stephen was a person living in the kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus began 2,000 years ago, a kingdom where if you forgive other people, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Again, it's the characteristic of the kingdom and of the people who live in his kingdom. There's no way around it. You can't sidestep this issue. So if I'm going to live as a follower of Jesus, if I'm going to play my part in expressing his kingdom in this town of Edgewood and Milton, then I have to be a forgiving person. And it's not three times, it's not seven times, it's not 490 times, but it has to be, church, and I'm learning again, I'm in the process, but it has to be where forgiveness is just a part of who I am. Forgiveness is just a part of who you are. And I'm not even going to tell you that it's easy. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to cost you anything. I I think it is actually quite costly. But I will tell you that you can do it. That you can forgive as you've been forgiven. You can cancel the debt as you remember that Jesus canceled the ultimate debt. He canceled the sin that you owed. Jesus paid it all. I'm going to invite the worship team up here and and we're going to close with a song but I'm sure for many of you this is stirring up various emotions I know it it did for me this summer maybe bringing up situations that you faced in your past many of you probably situations you are currently facing and I know that again there's probably a part of you that's like why did I choose to go to church today man but I want to encourage you and I love you I'm your pastor I want to encourage you if that's you two things First one is this. I'm in process with all of this. I don't have it all figured out. I haven't arrived, right, so to speak. And no one here expects you to have all of this figured out as you leave this place today. So there's grace for you in that. Then two, some of your situations are beyond tough. Some of them are really complicated as well. They're just messy. And I want you to know there's grace for you as you navigate all of this. 
But if you're realizing, even as I've been speaking for the last half hour, if you're realizing that unforgiveness has a hold on you and that you keep hitting that same wall, that same roadblock on your journey with Christ, would you be brave enough today to take a step forward of allowing the Lord to bring you to that sweet place of brokenness? Intimate brokenness before the Lord where you might once again be overwhelmed by the generous, precious, gift of His grace in your life. If you feel stuck, if you feel trapped this morning, this is an amazing time just to allow the Lord to reveal once again all that He's forgiven you. I think this is an amazing first step in freedom. Again, not that you'd have it all figured out, but take the first step. Allow there to be some of those cracks in your unforgiveness. Allow there to be some cracks in that hardness that you know that has been building up in your heart. And and I, I truly believe this. The power to begin to bring those cracks is for us to first just come to a place where we understand in, in a kind of a shady way, in a cloudy way, but that in some way we understand how much we have been forgiven of. Because forgiven people forgive. Would you uh, close your eyes? Lord, I love your presence. I, I love that you're with us. I love that we are overwhelmed by your grace. That we didn't make it into this room because we earned it or deserved it. But you offered us a gift. And we have received that gift. The price that was paid to cancel our debt. Thank you, thank you. Lord, as I'm praying, I just pray that by your Spirit, you'd begin to remind us of all the ways you've been kind to us. All the ways you've been gentle with us, patient with us, merciful with us. The the ways that you've extended forgiveness and grace to us. So we take this time, Lord, and I believe this is a holy moment where we would look to the cross once again. We would look to the cross once again and remember the heavy price that Jesus, you paid for us on that cross. And that we're forgiven because of the price that you paid. And, and God, would, would just that recognition of the gift that you've given us, would that be the first step in this process of forgiveness to others? And even as I'm praying, the reality is we're all in different places in this. But wherever you are, I think the Lord would just encourage you, take the next step. To the next right thing. That it would be a process that leads to a lifestyle. A lifestyle that would be a part of living in His kingdom. Your kingdom. Lord, set us free. Set us free. Free to fly. That we would truly live as children of the kingdom. People of grace. People of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.